I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. This is a Virgin Media Originals podcast series. Hello and welcome to The Tonight Show. Cost of living crisis, prices are soaring and we're all feeling the pinch. The government promises action to soften the blow of the biggest squeeze on incomes for a generation maybe stuck with high inflation for a longer period than we would have anticipated. So when facts change, uh, you need to adjust your policies, um, and that's what we intend to do. Another big Brexit crisis triggers political chaos at Stormont. What the instability might mean for the peace process as the DUP's Paul Given resigns as the North's First Minister. Today marks the end of what has been the privilege of my lifetime, to serve as the First Minister of Northern Ireland. Later, we look at the big stories of a busy news week. Get in touch on Twitter with your comments and questions on hashtag TonightVMTV. First tonight, all charges in the so-called Golfgate case have been dismissed by a district court judge. Galway West TD Noel Grealish, former Senator Donny Cassidy and two hoteliers had been on trial at Galway District Court charged with breaching public health regulations in August of 2020. However, all the charges were today dismissed in court, which found gatherings took place in two different areas. The four had denied the charges. Now, we're all feeling it in our pockets, bank balances and household bills as the cost of living soars, prices rise and energy costs spike. We debate the key issues with TD's Richard Bruton, Matt Carthy and Richard Boyd Barrett. First, Paul Quinn went on the streets of Salins in County Kildare to ask how you're feeling about rising inflation and the squeeze on all our incomes. Definitely the cost of food, like doing your weekly shop and stuff has gone up. Uh, I have a little one in crash, that's expensive. <laughs> and we recently switched our electricity and gas and that's gotten expensive as well. Yeah, same, the bills and the cost of the food, yeah. But also in the small things, like whenever you go out, you're just spending way more money than you used to. It's just so easy, the money just goes out. Yeah, definitely with things opening up again, like you're you're going out so much more than you were in the last two years, so. <laughs> yeah, he's happy to shock. Yeah. But even things like coffees. Yeah. yeah. You know, how much is a coffee? Like, how much was that coffee? Yeah, they were four euro each. <laughs> so they're not cheap, like. No. Electricity and gas, yeah, as well. Yeah, it's, it's tough. It is tough. You know, I'm lucky I have a job, but for people who are on uh, low income, you know, it must be very difficult for them. Yeah, ESP and diesel, like, yeah, there's nothing going into the car, like, yeah. But I do worry about younger people in that. The cost of living is just food, house prices, through the roof. Our adult children will live at home forever. <laughs> Ah, yeah, I mean, just everything's gone up, isn't it? Uh, yeah, I suppose. What can you say? 
I think the people in the salons really reflecting the mood of the nation at the moment. Uh, Richard, Matt and Richard, you're very welcome along to the programme. Uh, Richard Bruton, this is all coming to a political head now. Lots of talk, lots of meetings between unions and employers and cabinet members due to come up with proposals. It's all coming quite late in the day. Well, no, I think the government, you know, in the last budget, you see very clearly the approach they took. They recognised that families were under pressure. So we had action on the fuel scheme, action on childcare, action on prescriptions, action on the cost of third level education. Uh, so you, there was an anticipation to recognise that this was a problem. But there's no doubt that the persistence of energy price rises uh, has really uh, put a pressure on people. And I think the government recognised we need to do that. Uh, something about that, the electricity ar arrangement of, uh, what is it, €113.50 Euros 50 for everyone, that, that's just going through the yeah, Oireachtas at the moment. there was a feeling at the time of the budget, though, that it wasn't going to address all those issues. For example, childcare, which was mentioned there um, in, in our report from Kildare, there's no change to people's childcare. I mean, that's down the line. That's a bigger plan, and we may see something. No, that's, that's not the case. There were changes in the year. budget. The 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 uh, allowances and the means were changed in the budget, so people are getting more in their childcare. The the uh, payment, the universal payment, went went up to age 15. So people who have older children in childcare. You know, along with school, they, they get a payment now, which they didn't get before. Uh, so, and then there is the... But thousand... a lot of the changes are backloaded to... But they're coming in September. Yeah, they're coming in in September and they also recognise that uh, we're going to have to pay more to people who are providers in the childcare sector. Yeah. And there's currently, you know, okay. a, an REA being developed for okay. childcare providers. All right. Could this, regardless, uh, regardless of that, be considered as a, as a crisis budget now, a mini budget that's to address this current cost of living crisis? No, I think you have to, you have to look at this in perspective. It's very much constant concentrated across energy products, motor fuels and the cost of cars. Those are the real uh, areas. And I think you have to look at, at targeting people on low income in respect of things like fuel costs. You, so we need to look at targeted things. And there's plenty of opportunity you know, in areas like health with, with prescriptions, in social welfare, with some of the targeted schemes that they have, you know, in climate, my former department who run the warmer home scheme, which is mm. tr trying to make sure that people who are low income get a quality heating package to resolve not their problems just for this month or next month, but for, for their whole lifetime uh, by improving the quality of their house. So there's a lot of interventions that can be taken to take to ease the pressure on families that is, is very real at the moment. Okay, um, and, and we are hearing some of them trickling through, some of the proposals. What are some of the main ones that have stuck out at you that, that could be a runner that are really Well, already yeah, we saw the action today uh, by Simon Harris on higher education costs and again targeting at, at particular people. You know, we, you, we've seen in the budget the sort of examples, the, the fuel scheme, childcare costs, uh, the prescription charges, the right. third level. You know, so we've seen, uh, and, and of course, uh, you know, the, 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 the issue of fuel uh, is going to be not only... That dominates. Like, I think it has to be, we have to look long-term as well as short-term. We have to look at how we're going to transform a lot of houses, particularly in low-income houses, that simply the energy systems need to be upgraded. And there is a retrofitting wave, as it's described okay. by Eamon Ryan, coming uh, very shortly. Right. With all this talk, and, and we heard what Leo Radcar had to say to his parliamentary party, and even how he addressed it all today, McCarthy, it seems that, you know, there might be a bit of stealing of opposition thunder. They're trying to do a lot for a lot of people right now to address this cost-of-living crisis. Well, first of all, they've done virtually nothing at this point. I think it would be interesting for people to read back on the all statements on the day the budget was announced because time and time again um, Sinn Féin representatives and others highlighted that on that day um, 
Petrol prices were touching 170 um, a, a litre, way beyond the reach of many people who have to use their cars on a daily basis. In fact, um, despite being told for months in advance about the spiralling costs of fuel and heating um, and um, electricity, the one measure that the government did on election day was actually hike up okay. the carbon so taxes, what, which what, are going to come in on um, May. So at a time when Richard's talking about actually um, putting in place some protections for people who've been feeling the brunt of government policy, the actual position at the moment is that government will increase energy and fuel okay, costs. Okay, so that's specifically on, on the carbon tax come May. You'd like to see that frozen. Is that what Sinn Féin is Absolutely. It okay, what, what else? The government um, introduced it at the, at the first time. And I have to say, what happened this week is that essentially Fianna Fáil and Fianna Gael woke up to a reality that we've been telling them about for several months. And um, if anything reinforces the fact that they're completely out of touch, this is okay. it. Okay, but we are hearing, we are hearing, Matt you know, a, a dedicated hardship fund to help out low-income households, a higher electricity credit, above and beyond that €100 Euro credit um, that is being made available universally uh, due to come into effect at the end of March. And, and also looking at a cut uh, to VAT on energy, on fuel, on food charges. Um, so all of these things I presume you'd be in favour of. On virtually all of them, as you've said, we've put forward realistic, sensible positions um, and propositions that should have been implemented by government months ago because energy costs have gone through the roof. We know that. But in many cases and for many families, what they've done is been the straw that has broke the camel's back. Because for many years now, we have been crying about the fact that this state has the highest childcare um, okay. rates in the Western world almost. We have the highest rents in the, in the Western Europe. We All have right. the highest mortgage rates in the Eurozone. We have the highest insurance rates um, across the EU as well, across almost any metric of the um, impacts on ordinary workers and families. Mm. We are at the bottom of the list. Irish um, workers and families okay. are pressed harder than anywhere else. And Fianna Fáil and Fianna Gael have allowed that to happen. And now at the 11th hour, they're coming forward with what are, quite frankly, piecemeal propositions. So it's not good Peace. enough. So we need to go back to the drawing board Peace. and actually put okay. forward Peace. the type of measures that Sinn Féin have been okay, advocating. Let's get another... Um, view from the opposition benches on this, Richard Boyd Barrett. Um, what do you make of, of what's under consideration now? Are these proposals, you know, they're, they're seeing being seen being being done in other European countries. Um, this isn't a solely an Irish problem, as we know, and governments everywhere are scrambling to address it. Yeah, well, people before profit were the first people to bring a motion into the Dáil in October of last year on the issue of energy prices, and we're arguing the same thing now as we argued then. I think we're the only people who are arguing for it, which is that the government should use the power they have, and it's literally a stroke of a pen by the Minister, under the Consumer Act to declare an emergency in energy uh, and heating prices, uh, and then to control the unit prices of those things, to bring them down to affordable levels. Uh, so that is the first thing uh, that needs to be done rather than small tokenistic measures. 100 euro against uh, a background of a reasonable estimate of increased energy and electricity and heating prices of 800 euro this year is just pathetic, okay? So we need measures to actually control uh, the cost of energy. We need to increase eligibility but for was the- Was something like that, I mean, did, did, did that happen in the UK or was it considered and did it lead to sort of companies going bust and other problems fall out as a result of making decisions Well, this like is that. actually, I'm glad you asked that, Claire, because there's one thing we need to... It, the, sometimes inflation is, is viewed and presented by government and economists like it's like the weather. It's like a natural disaster that happened. In fact, inflation is because companies mostly put up prices in order to increase profits. 
Uh, and globally, the energy companies and domestically are making huge profits. So the ESB last year made over 300 million euro in profits. The year before, they made 600 million euro in profits. Globally, Shell have absolutely seen their profits go through the roof. So the money that is coming out of the pockets of ordinary working people is going into the pockets of big corporations who are putting up prices. And that is also true on the other big cost of living that is becoming intolerable for people, which is rents and property prices. Uh, the, the thing that is actually driving people into homelessness, making housing totally unaffordable, is enriching a layer of people so who own property and the, rent property. On the issue of rents, what would you like to see there? We know that Sinn Féin, I think, are calling for, you know, the equivalent of a, a month's rent back in your pocket and a freeze and rent rises. I take it you'd be in, in the same boat. We don't agree one. with the, the, the month back because it's just putting money back into the landlord's pockets and it's chasing already excessive rents. So we, what do you do? We believe we have to have rent controls where you set uh, maximum rents that you can charge based on the size of a property uh, and that those maximum rents would be linked to what is generally affordable uh, for working people because rents now are absolutely off the Richter scale. In my area, the average cost of a rental accommodation two-bedroom is more than €2,200. That is absolutely off the charts and it means that anybody now looking for accommodation unless they're very, very wealthy, is de facto homeless. Okay, a lot of people, you know, watching tonight will really relate to that. I mean, the rent, we know about the issue there. When you talk about energy prices, um, the idea from Sinn Féin that the, it's a piecemeal approach to what's happening here. Um, the action being taken by government, is it just going to let things bubble away or are you going to make those big steps that people would say are needed at this point? Well, first of all, it's very significant to see the action the government has taken on fuel, on electricity, on prescriptions, on childcare, on a third level. And next week, the government uh, is sitting down to look oh, again we, across okay. all departments uh, to, to see what more but can be done. But there is an acknowledgement at government level that yes. this, is, this, be, this is an emergency let's situation honest, what, what when you're, you're calling cabinet ministers in to you know, let's, come up with proposals. Let's be honest, what you're hearing from, from with the greatest respect respect is fairyland talk. There is no government that can t tell world gas prices to go down or world oil, oil prices to go down. That is not within our power. Not even North Korea would, would be seeking to do that. You know, world gas prices are set elsewhere. So what we have to do is ease the pressure on families of some of these impacts. And that's what we're doing. And we're looking right across and targeting people with the lowest, lowest income. The fuel scheme is what now? It's 924 euros we're providing. If you add the other supports, you're, you're, you're up to 1,600 in utility supports for the most are vulnerable families. Are you talking families. about schemes that are currently in place, not... And which not were increased, which were just increased okay. uh, in All the right. last couple are of you months. Going to, is it going to be... I mean, one of the criticisms about this is that, you know, say, for example, that €100 Euro credit, that that's universal, that maybe the measures that are being, you know, considered and, and should be targeted, targeted at those who need it most, targeted at those for whom this has a disproportionate effect on their lives. So it doesn't really affect everyone in the same way as we know. That's correct. And that's why the fuel scheme is targeted. Uh, the, the childcare scheme was targeted. The prescriptions were targeted. But the, the situation with the electricity, and it's, it's, it's worth remembering, that electricity users pay 400 million in contributions to help the transition to renewables. So every electricity consumer is contributing that over and above the cost of delivering the electricity to help okay. us get to renewables. Just on the issue so to give them the a break of, is not, on, is not fuels, unreasonable. That's one of the big complaints, you know, people uh, filling up um, 
at the pump and, and they're really feeling it in the pocket. Are there going to be, and we know that we charge a very high VAT rate compared to other countries, um, will there be changes to that? No, I don't expect that overall fuel prices are something that you can change. What we have to do is help people make well, the, the transition. Well, the tax take is very high yeah, in this no, country I think on we, that. But, but is think, there pressure coming from your coalition's partners on that? No, one? I think the pressure is now to, to try and mainstream the switch to electricity, to ele oh. electric vehicles, is the, is, is the way. They're increasing so in their range and we can... Okay, you know, that's that's get, where we get a permanent get, move away from the Matt use of fossil Carthy fuels. Get in on that. You know, so basically, if you are in a position to be in a, able to purchase a brand new car and if you live in an area that actually has access to electronic vehicle um, charging points, which isn't the case for the vast majority of workers and families, then this government will hand you in and around 5,000 no, euros. But if you want to... If you are, you are, are, you are opposing you carbon tax. We can't, <laughs> we can't uh, Sorry, address Richard, if you the... just let McCarthy finish his point. But he, I'm was, he was speaking then. directly to me, so I'm answering I wasn't actually, I was speaking directly received. to those just, workers and families and viewers and who tonight in. are really struggling, who are wondering how they're going to make it to the end of the, the month. And the only measure for those people who have no option but to drive... Um, petrol or diesel cars that this government are actually planning to bring in for them is to increase their prices even further come May, on top of whatever happens globally. That, to me, is fundamentally unfair. And if carbon taxes actually worked, if hiking the prices of petrol and diesel actually worked, and then over the past six months we would have seen a drastic reduction in car ownership. It hasn't happened because precisely because the public transport options and other alternatives aren't in place. So let's get real. Let's talk about what people today in the here and now are actually going through. This is a government that is able to, at a stroke of a pen, decide that one individual post is worth eighty one thousand okay. euro um, in additional salary. That. Yet when it comes to being told for months and months and months about the hardship that families are going to, this week they've decided that they might have a conversation among government departments next week rather than actually put in place the measures okay. that have actually been I want, put before I want to let Richard back in there just to respond to that. The truth is that every cent of carbon tax is used to help people to make the changes that they need. It's going into fuel scheme, it's going into the warmer home scheme, which is a hundred percent grant for people who are either on the uh, working family payment or on the fuel scheme. They get a 100% grant to um upgrade their, for their homes. That isn't just relief today. That's a saving of €1,000 so for the rest of their lives. Just that proposal about freezing, about freezing the carbon tax increase come no, May. There no, won't be... You, we you don't made, envisage a change on that. We have made a commitment that we are going to have our reliance on uh, carbon-producing fuels over the next... Uh, by 2030. Well, that doesn't and help. that cannot be achieved. It will not be achieved by Sinn Féin by opposing every measure that seeks to do that. That won't Carbon help tonight. Those families this that are wondering okay. whether or not they pay their childcare costs or okay. their rent or yes. their petrol You have no policy for climate. Sorry, I'll have to stop you there. We just don't want to penalise ordinary people. All right, Richard, but very, very briefly, there's also talk about a, a, a proposal or, you know, a, a want from opposition to raise social welfare payments. Uh, you do, would you agree that's a good thing? You know, Absolutely. Uh, again, the there was saying, you know, it's not going to help people who have mortgages to pay. We certainly have to expand uh, eligibility for the fuel allowance dramatically for low-paid workers, for huge numbers of pensioners, probably the majority of pensioners who aren't entitled to it uh, at the moment. Uh, the social welfare increases, but also wages, by the way, for workers. We have hundreds of thousands of workers in this country on low pay, one of the highest levels of low pay anywhere in Europe. But I just want to respond to Richard's uh, point about fairyland and all the rest of it. Energy prices in this country are 15% higher on average than the rest of Europe. So there is plenty of latitude. 
uh, for the government to reduce down the actual unit price uh, of energy. Uh, and much of the taxes that he's talking about, the PSO levy and so on, uh, that ordinary people pay, that does not benefit them in terms of their ability to uh, insulate their homes. Tenants don't have any control over their ability to insulate homes, whether they're public or private, and huge numbers of low-paid workers simply do not have the resources to insulate their homes because the gap between the grants and the cost of retrofitting your home is tens and tens of thousands of euros that working people don't and that's have. why Eamon Ryan will be introducing this major retrofitting wave very shortly. OK, we'll wait we and see. see what happens with Thank that. Well, the other big story of the day is yet another political crisis at Stormont, triggered by the resignation of the First Minister, Paul Given, in protest at the Northern Ireland Brexit Protocol. This clip contains flash photography. Today marks the end of what has been the privilege of my lifetime to serve as the First Minister of Northern Ireland. Our institutions are being tested once again, and the delicate balance created by the Belfast and St Andrews agreements has been impacted by the agreement made by the United Kingdom Government and the European Union, which created the Northern Ireland Protocol. OK, uh, I want to go to McCarthy on this. Um, Sinn Féin, of course, being an interested party here, because Michelle O'Neill... Um, you know, with effect, has gone from her deputy first minister position as a result of what's happened today and a snap election now likely on the cards. How worried are you about instability right now? Well, clearly the DUP have sought to create instability because essentially they have been caught out in what have been a very dangerous strategy since the outset of the Brexit, uh, the Brexit process. They... Um, they supported a Brexit vote um, and following the referendum they have supported the hardest possible Brexit. They did so um, for very nefarious reasons. They wanted to see the border in this country hardened despite the economic, social and political implications that that would have. Thankfully, um, because of a strong united political position in relation to ensuring that that doesn't happen both at an Irish and an EU level, we managed to find a solution. That solution is the protocol. It was agreed between the British government and the European Union and the DUP, again for very narrow, selfish political reasons, as a result of an opinion poll essentially, um, decided that they were going to um, run a campaign to breach that Do you, do you fear for the, the Good Friday Agreement, the peace process and all of this? Well, I think the Good Friday Agreement and the peace process and the political process and, and, and Stormont, they are all integral parts of much wider, um, a much mi wider movement that we're seeing happening towards progressive change, not only in the North, but in terms of all Ireland integration. And again, that's part and a core part of the actions of the DUP. It has to be seen in the context of the fact that unionism has lost its majority right. and the DUP no longer have um, a veto over um, what happens and what policies are implemented. OK, well, we'll have to see what, what comes of this crisis um, uh, and where, where we go with regard to an election in the North. But my thanks to Richard and to Matt and to Richard. Next, how the cost of living crisis is affecting families in rural and urban Ireland. Stay with us. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today.
Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Welcome back. I'm joined now by Irish Daily Mirror political correspondent Kira Phelan, community development worker Kieran Malouli, and Virgin Media News economics correspondent Paul Coggan. I'm also joined on Skype by Tricia Kethehy, head of justice and policy at St. Vincent de Paul. Uh, we want to discuss, of course, the cost of living crisis, the impact this is having on everyone from a political point of view. Um, with all the politicians in round one there talking about, uh, you know, what's going to be done, the measures that, that, that are being envisaged and what needs to happen. Are there political cracks showing in the coalition, do you think, Kira, on how they manage this cost of living crisis, given where the Greens stand in terms of taxes and the likes of fuel and carbon taxes? Yeah, definitely. Um, like I was speaking to sources earlier on, and I suppose they all, each individual coalition party, want to do something different, it seems. So it's been widely reported that the Taunashia wants an increase in, in the current energy credit that we already see coming in, €113. Euro. I understand Fianna Fáil kind of want to focus more so um, on getting to those low-income um, households and being more kind of targeted. We have heard some discussion, you know, that some people would say that they don't think that the energy credit should go to those who are, have a lot more money than, than others. And then, of course, the Greens um, are also looking to kind of narrow down where uh, the financial support goes to as well. And they're also, as I understand it, looking at maybe um, making a, a measure announcement on um, insulation and stuff like that regarding, you know, heating mm -hmm. people's homes. So definitely there's a difference of opinion, but there's going to be a package. And like I heard uh, Richard mention, um, in the first section about a, a, a hard um, hardship, a, a hardship fund and I understand that yeah the social protection minister um, Heather Humphreys is looking at this and there are other measures as well like speaking to sources earlier on um, looking at as well the, the, the VAT, VAT cuts there is some um, resistance to that because it's inadvisable because then it seems when it is hard to reverse it, is mis it's misrepresented as a, a tax increase. Mm -hmm. So they might be a little bit reluctant there um, to go on the VAT cuts as well. But um, something, once you bring something down, it's hard to bring it back up again. Yeah, that's it. Motor tax as well on the table. I mentioned the energy credit and then increasing the exemption to the current bonus rules for workers. So up to um, 1,000 can be given tax free rather than 500 euros. So it, nothing has been decided yet. Um, I understand that they don't want a mini budget and that it it's will... It's kind of what it, it looks like it, it's it shaping does, up yeah. to be. Yeah. Um, you know, Kieran, on this one, um, you work now at community level in a rural area. 
Do you think people outside of Dublin, outside of urban areas, in fact, are, are, are worst hit right now in the cost of living? I think, I think undeniably, clear. I think even the, the governor of the central bank said it recently, people in rural areas are, are obviously worst affected because of why? Because of the isolation, because of the fact, fuel uh, energy inflation for starters. They've, they don't have the choice of the, of the Lewis or the, or the bus at the end of the road. They'll be using their car. They need it all the time. And they're being crippled as well with ESP charges. And uh, like everybody has mentioned tonight, but there's another factor. There's a double whammy for some people down there. Remember, we've lost almost 2,000 people uh, through decarbonisation, ironically, in the Midlands over the last couple of years. A lot of these people have started out on very poor board and amount of pensions. I spoke to somebody yesterday uh, from Shannon Bridge in County Offaly who worked for the company for 37 years. So they're on the job seekers allowance, they get the 200 euros, and one might expect they'd have a nice, a nice pension then, and doing okay. Mm -hmm. The guy worked on the, on the organisation for 37 years, his weekly pension is 116 euros. He's got to go six years to full state pension. And there, there are a lot of people in that scenario. Pensions at the, in, the, in that company were not good, in contrast to ESP where they were good. So you get the double whammy that's affecting people there. And it's right across the board. Now, there's an issue as well with regard to, say, the schemes and that people sometimes take part in in rural areas. They're the heart of many communities, the CE schemes, the two schemes, community employment. People do 19 hours, and traditionally it's been pretty good, and it suits them, if you like, as they come towards retirement or a different age. But you know what? 19 hours is about 205, 210 euros. It's not good enough anymore. It just can't allow I'm, them to I mean, do you think there should be something specifically targeted at people in rural areas? There's talk of this hardship fund and, and various targeted measures um, rather than a little bit for everyone, although I'm sure there will be that as well. Do you think there should be something specifically for people who, who, who in your opinion, you know, are, are, are worse off from all of all well, of this? I'll give you give a straighter practical example. If you take it up, we've gone through the situation over the last number of months, uh, through, through the lockdowns where people have been on the PUP, they've been on 350 euros in many, many cases, up, up to that high. And people are saying, the government has said, we're going back, we're changing back, we're going back in a period of time. Many of the people who are on CE schemes, working in childcare, working in tidy towns groups, have said to me, why can't we stay on 350 euros? Increase our hours. We go up from 19 hours. Let's give us 25 hours. Give us 30 hours doing the great work we're doing. And that's perhaps something they could look at because they're the heart and soul of many communities around the country. And one other area, Claire, that's really badly affected. I work as a, as a, as a, as a, as a director of a, of a charity as well, a registered charity for an access for all boat. It's a boat for people with disability. People mm -hmm. might see it on the National Lottery ad from time to time. But we, we've had huge problems because of the fuel in, inflation. And it's across the board. The Irish wheelchair have all their buses as well across the board. Our, our buses, our, our boat trips are costing uh, the best part of 210 euros at the moment. We're at, this time last year, there were 150 euros every day. So we're losing 60 euros it's every incredible, day. Incredible, really, isn't it? How the, the impact of, of fuel costs. Um, I want to bring um, Trisha Keothy in here, Head of Social Justice and Policy at St. Vincent de Paul. Um, from what you're hearing, what, what's the evidence on the ground of, of how the cost of living is affecting people coming to you? Are there people who are coming and, and looking for your services who've never needed it before, Tricia? Yes, that's right, Claire. I suppose we're seeing the impact of the cost of living increases on multiple fronts, but particularly in the areas of energy, transport and housing. We took over 191,000 requests for help last year and between October and December of last year, we noted a 24% increase in requests for help with gas and electricity. So that's really coming to the fore in terms of our work and communities as well. And some of the groups we're seeing most affected are working poor households, lone parents, people with disabilities um, and older people living alone as well. And I suppose it's important to remember that many of the households we're assisting and across the country that we, we don't um, reach, unfortunately, who are living in poverty, 
those households are already cutting back and and, uh, going without. So when prices increase, the one area of discretion people have control over is their food budget. So one in three calls to SVP are related to food poverty. So that's where we're seeing people who are literally going without food at some points in, in the week as well. And that's a really very difficult situation for anybody to be in. But on the energy front, we're also, you know, meeting people who are maybe living in one room of the house during the colder parts of the year to cut back on their bills. We also know that prepaid Peter customers are particularly vulnerable because they may be self-disconnecting because they literally have nothing left to top up the meter. So last year they may have got six days usage from their top up, now they're only getting three days. So from our point of view, the increases in social welfare in the last budget will help and the energy credit will help, but really it's not going to go far enough for the households we're assisting. And we are pleased to see that the government are looking at a package of measures to okay. be introduced to mitigate the worst impacts. All, all right. Um, yeah, on that, the package of measures and just listening to what Tricia had to say there, it's desperately needed action in this regard. I think, it's, you know, there's, there's a broad cross-party feeling now that something has to be done. You know, when we're looking about, you know, responding to a crisis, you know, what's happening right now and how long is this likely to continue for, Paul? Well, there was an assumption before Christmas, I think, that we were going to see this inevitable post-pandemic effect where there would be a temporary surge in, in the cost of living. And I think it's been a case of some people have been slow to twig that that's not the case, that it's going to be with us much longer and it's going to be much deeper of a problem than had been first assumed. And it used to be the case in this country, you would look to bond yields to see what state the country was in. And then it was the euro sterling exchange rate. These days, if you want to know where things are headed, you look at the Dutch gas futures market. And if you look at it tonight, it shows, as it has for the last few weeks and months, that gas prices are going to stay very high for the rest of the year. This isn't a temporary issue. It's not going away. So it has to be dealt with. I think there was a concern within government that they, if they took action too soon, and it was a temporary phenomenon, that it could have unforeseen consequences. But I don't this think that's the This is kind of case. an inflationary spiral. Is Un- there- unemployment here last month was still 7.8%. The economy is not going to get back to where it would have been for another two years. So when people talk about a boom, we're, we're not really experiencing a boom. We're experiencing a recovery, a robust one, hopefully, but it's still a recovery. So I think concerns that by helping people pay these energy bills that they're going to it's going to cause future inflationary effects i think i think that's for, you know, that's not a major concern and shouldn't be a major concern at this stage okay um, other governments have already responded to this in in parts of europe um how are those measures going down and 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 are they similar to what's sort of mm. being thought about here in terms of hardship funds and various various other measures to yeah well right around europe there's only one way to deal with it and that is to throw money at the problem and that's simply what governments have to do the european commission published a toolbox of measures back in october measures that it was happy to see governments implement in order to deal with energy costs in belgium they cut vat on electricity in in the uk they've introduced a council tax rebate mm. the italians have thrown over eight billion euro at this since last summer uh, and the Dutch and the Spanish have been cutting taxes. So there's, there's measures that can be implemented. In terms of VAT, we, we, we forgot that the government cut VAT during the pandemic and then reversed the VAT cut 
when we were coming out of it and there wasn't a, a great furore about it. So I think government concerns that they can't reverse fat cuts without yeah. have a big political there's, there's problem are a bit misplaced. There, there's also criticism, Kerry, you know, from what we're hearing there from Paul, that you know we're, we're quite late to the party compared to what other countries have already done to address this. Yeah, definitely. And, uh, you know, again, sources saying tonight that they need this to come in ASAP because already, as the opposition parties are saying that it's too little, too late, there's people really struggling. They struggle through the winter, like we the strict restrictions with COVID now we're coming out of it and people don't have the actually disposable income to enjoy their lives now that we're coming out of the restrictions. A key point of this as well, when you're looking at fuel measures to help people, we are coming out of the winter and you'd wonder by the time these, these packages come about, will we be over the winter, into the spring and maybe they're not as necessary in our lives. I, I think, Claire, they're essential. I think we, we, they have to move, they have to move now. And if you follow through on what Paul was saying in terms of the economics of it, I mean, let's deal with the brass tax. The people who are struggling to, to put petrol in the car are paying 170 for their litre tonight in, in, terms of, in terms of the pumps. Out of that, 59 cent is excise duty for the government. Now, they have the opportunity to reduce that. They can reduce that. I'm old enough to remember a time when this country, we had things called butter vouchers, came in with the support of the EU, which were targeted at social sector, social inclusion categories, providing a subsidised product to people. I'm talking about the very same thing as a suggestion for fuel, a subsidised product. In other words, cut the excise, but target it to the people who need it within the community, the people who are directly affected, whose low income is, 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 is causing huge problems. For, in the best of times, it was causing problems. Now they're being crippled by even trying to. People are cutting car journeys, you know, and like we're talking about rural isolation. Are people making those decisions that they actually can't afford to go out? They're staying home, um, and and you know they're they're really trying every effort to keep their bills down. What Trisha was saying there about you know limiting themselves to one room. Absolutely, there's evidence of it. There's evidence of it in terms of turnout. People say the lockdown is over. Lockdown's not over a lot of towns. We're not. We're still not seeing people. Uh, And another small small one here, which people perhaps sometimes forget about as well. It's only a small issue, but some of the older people in the community some of the things that, that have really upset them in recent times. Why do we need the price of a postage stamp to go up twice in one year? When people are sitting at home to write a letter, people in, in, in a place where they're isolated and socially, socially left out of the situation, all of a sudden we've got a double whammy, and a, even as small as a postage stamp. I mean, it, it doesn't show a care for people yeah. who require that. And we didn't get to talk about the tolls. They've also gone up. Um, my thanks to Paul and to Tricia. Kieran, Kieran are uh, staying with us. Next, the big new, news stories of the week. Uh, stay right there. Let's take a look now at the big stories of the week. Kira Phelan and Kira Malouli are still with me. Um, and we're also joined by Skype by Irish Daily Star Chief Sports Writer Kieran Cunningham to talk us through the big build-up to the Six Nations and other sporting matters. But I want to just get to uh, big news stories of the week around, firstly, the decision that was made by Norma Foley this week, brought to Cabinet. The Leaving Cert will go ahead as planned the traditional exams will resume um, after the, the two-year break from the norm. Um, how's all that gone down, do you think, politically? I think, you know, government will say that they were left with no real option because as the message they have peddled over the last couple of days is that they actually wouldn't have the data um, and information needed for accredited grades, which was offered to students in 2021. You had the option of um, accredited grades Mm -hmm. or you could sit the exam and then whatever result you wanted to take. So some junior cert students never set the junior cert and then didn't go to transition year. So there was actually no real sufficient information there for their teacher. 
data that's deemed yeah, so critical to, yeah. to come up with these accredited grades. Yeah, but um, you know, student representatives and uh, the opposition parties were saying that you know a hybrid model should have been given, but you know they haven't actually given a solution as to how that would come to pass, and they were challenged over that both the Labour Party and Sinn Fein, and they actually hadn't really given some substan substantial um, solutions. So I think the government may have won on this one, even though it might not have been you know, the right decision maybe down the line they're looking at, you know, reforming the leave insert, etc. Um, but they, I, they, it doesn't seem that they were really left with much option. And actually the Taoiseach said today, he was speaking on um, Spins Out West, and he said, look, there will be a reform. Mm. Uh, he thinks it's needed, but he wanted to retain the anonymity of the exam. And I suppose you can't really do that with accredited grades if your teacher's grading in the school and the exam paper. So, yeah, it was a big decision, I suppose. Um, but I think the students are happy that the clarification now. Yeah, I think for certainty for students was a big thing. And in fact, the union representing them even conceded that this is really difficult. And the issue of fairness does come into it. And if you can't get the... You know, you, you can't pull up those calculator grades so easily. How do you do it fairly? Yeah. But the infl great inflation is still an issue, isn't that, it? That's the great inflation is the whole problem with this, Claire. Teachers are not happy, students are not happy. Because the students are looking over their shoulder at last year, when there was incredible great inflation. And they're looking at the people who got into college, left, right and centre, uh, in those circumstances where their grades were inflated. And they're wondering, what's going to happen this year? Because I'm not going to have an assessment. I'm going to have a test. I'm going to but, have a written but exam. But the government is saying, no, the grades will be inflated this well, year. This now, you... You have got someone who's well, sitting the leaving not this year well, but perhaps that's next right. year that's so that's right. when the deflation comes into play that's, that's right that's right. I'll, 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 i have a vested interest in terms of students going forward but but you know and you know but the, the issue as far as students are saying at the moment is that is that the problem the, the exams the state examination commissioner have come up with this amazing statement saying that if they don't come down naturally we'll adjust the grades we will we look at it this is halfway through the system when the when the exam the students have done the exams to me that's bizarre some teachers find this absolutely bizarre we're going to look at the we're going to correct the papers if they haven't come down haven't deflated, we're going to adjust them. I mean, what sort of an examination process is that? Go back to, to my young man. We talked about the process of inflation tonight. I'm worried about deflation on this one, definitely, because uh, obviously there's going to be, they're saying we're going to have a slow return to the grades. So, so the grades are going to go down. They call it in the UK, I think, a, a, a walk back of the grades over the coming years. But in what year? I mean, is, is my son and daughter, or, or, my daughter or, or, or your daughter, going to be fighting uh, for, yeah. for and a different set of rules? That's what I'm saying. Are, they going to be, are we going to have a jolt? Are we going to have a media change? If they are going to deviate, last year there were six. There were sixty points in the difference last year from the previous year. Sixty points is a hell of a lot of points. Yeah, in the CAA. it does put into focus, um, you know, all about the grades and access to college and whether colleges yeah. need to. There needs to be more work in making more college places available for, so those who really do want to go to college get their place. But just to move on to another big story this week, and that's the the report into the party at the Department of Foreign Affairs. Um, it found a breach of social distance guidance did occur. It said though that the gathering was impromptu, it was not pre-planned. Um, how do you think Simon Coveney is going to come out of all of this now, Kira? Not good at all. For the first time in a long time, I actually had um, Fine Gael sources ringing to complain, to say that 
they didn't agree with his handling of it. And I think it, it comes off the back of the Catherine Zappone fiasco, where it just wasn't handled well, it wasn't put to bed, it rolled on for weeks. Government ministers were going on to talk about policy, but they were being asked about this um, so-called champagne party. So I don't think he has come out of this well, even though the report found that he was not present when any breach um, of guidelines took place. However, there is frustration within the Fine Gael party that he didn't handle it well. Yeah, and he's going to be before an Oireachtas committee to yeah, probably answer more questions on this shortly. Yeah, and I think the questions that will arise from that is um, why wasn't he interviewed as part of the report? It wasn't in the terms of reference. And just what what is his take on the overall, overall findings of it as well? I mean, there's uh, senior officials there that... F were, they're fined between one and two thousand euro to pay to a COVID charity. Yeah. Like the current Secretary General of the Department, Joe Hackett, in his report said it had damaged the reputation of the Department of Foreign Affairs. And you know that's not something yeah. that you want to be said about your own brief and portfolio as well. You know. Yeah. Let's look at what's happening in uh, Downing Street at the moment. Boris Johnson, four of his key aides appear to have quit. Um, and it's not unconnected, by the way, to your last question in terms of Simon Coveney, because it's back to that image of people having a party at a time when, uh, you know, people's relatives were lying in a mortuary someplace and you couldn't go in. So they're related to the very same issue. And as we know tonight, it finally looks like it's unravelling uh, for Boris Johnson, his policy of sticking to his guns, hoping for push the police inquiry down the road. We've heard this evening four uh, fairly senior advisers have resigned. And of course, his cabinet solidarity is falling apart as well. We've seen the first uh, direct criticism of today. Day. So the next 24 hours is going to be very, very interesting. In many respects, I think he'd be hoping he could go back to look at matters between Russia and Ukraine for the next 48 hours. Yeah, he might, want, he might want that distraction. Yeah, key there is the criticism from, from Rishi Sunak and um, where, where it all goes now. Let's look ahead to a busy sporting weekend. Kieran Cunningham, um, Six Nations kicking off. Uh, we're going to have, you know, full crowds back it's an exciting time for sport, isn't it? And uh, the, the big opener, Ireland versus Wales. Yeah, yeah Claire, it's massive because um, it's not just uh, the fans that were lost within the ground uh, for, for rugby and soccer internationals before, but there's all the social side around that. The Six Nations weekends are always huge social occasions. Like I was in a lobby having coffee in Dublin, uh, in Dublin Hotel a couple of weeks ago, and they were just taking bookings for the rugby weekends all the time of the day. And people have missed that. And it's a really exciting Ireland team and the fact that we're excited about Irish prospects like Collins. Mac Hansen will make his debut. He only moved from Australia seven months ago. His mother's from Cork. That's how he qualifies. And he's tremendously exciting. And it has always been a tournament of momentum. Like if Ireland, it is a cliche, but it's a cliche because there's an element of truth to it. If Ireland win... Um, you know, they're going to Paris with the wins of their sales with the following week. But if you start with a defeat, you're suddenly up against it. But I'd be quite positive. There's a real feel-good vibe around this Ireland team. Uh, another big story, Roy Keane back in the headlines, player, pundit, you know, uh, manager, in a managerial role and now being touted again for Sunderland. Uh, tell us what's happening there and who's happy about it? Yeah, well, it seems to have been a national obsession with Roy Keane for 30 years and it never really fades. But this would be, uh, this is an interesting move because he's, if it happens, and it looks like it could well happen, like he said for a long time, he wants to go back to management. But he's been out of it for 11 years and he only ever had two managerial jobs. One went okay and one was a disaster. 
But this would be uh, a different level job because if you go into League One, which is a third tier, he'd be working with a fairly average squad. And great players like Roy Keane was often struggle when they go to management because they, they find it hard to relate to players who weren't at the level they were at or don't have the same attitude they were at. And he would need to be patient. He would need to watch his temper and maybe watch, tone down a little bit what he says in press conferences, particularly about players and maybe their families, because he got himself into hot water a few times when, when he was in managerial jobs before. Yeah, a tough task, I would say, for Roy Keane to do that. Kieran Cunningham, thanks for that. Um, and Kieran, as a Man U fan, you Man U fan, uh -huh. what, what do you make of, of Roy Keane go, going into that role? Does he have the patience for it or is he a, what, what a bit too hot-headed to deal what, with those young players? What would I players? say in a television studio of, of this glamour, but say he'd be mad to leave the gig in Sky. <laughs> I mean, he's on, he's on such a number. He's, 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 he's found his, a love of social media all of a sudden. He's, he's beginning to, to make money left, right and centre. And instead, what does he want? He wants to go out and put up with these guys, this ba babysitting, someone said recently. All these guys worrying about their big salaries and all their other issues. So I, I actually feel he won't go back to Sunderland. I think this is perhaps, perhaps might not develop in the coming days. Yeah, you can probably expect some choice comments there. And very briefly, Vicky Phelan got freedom of the city. We can't leave the programme without mentioning that. Um, it's a great honour. She's a Limerick woman, of course, and a brilliant honour for a tremendous woman. Yeah, I mean, um, no one would ever argue that she shouldn't get it. What a tremendous uh, woman Vicky has been um, for the women of Ireland, for, you know, uncovering the serve check scandal and for being so open and positive um, about her journey and being so honest with people as well so she really deserves it and congratulations to Vicky and that is it um, our programme is available as a podcast my thanks to Kira and Kieran and Kieran on Skype um, you can catch that podcast on all our major platforms the Six Nations preview is up next thanks for watching good night This is a Virgin Media Originals podcast series.